Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. This is the Drive and Dish Podcast. Part of the Almighty Baller. There's the Drive and Dish. Quick click. Welcome to your total moment, my friend. To start it off, it's Kevin Rafuse and Justin Kuzart. Let's go. Two, one, two, one, two, Mike check. You know, I don't think we've ever had... Well, I guess maybe when we initially were recording the first two episodes, we'd have uh, what, what you want to call physical disabilities when we were recording. Be in just immense amount of pain. Yeah, um, immense amount of pain. But uh, I'd like to say today that it's a little bit better of a pain. It's pain. It's good pain, though. It's definitely good pain. Um, So Justin and I survived the Gate River Run, if you've been listening to this podcast. That is the 15K that I talked Justin into when he was intoxicated. Which I thought was a 5K when I was intoxicated. Right. Well, you know, just casually tripling that. Right. But uh, we're here, man. How are you feeling? I'm I'm all right. I took a really long nap yesterday. Uh, I laid for a really long time. I did somehow end up at the bars at like two in the morning. That's that's insane. You're you're nuts. Yeah, yeah. I was not happy. Like like I, you know, it's like one of those things. You go out there and you're just that guy in the corner of the bar that just like doesn't want to be there, and right. all your friends are partying. Like I was like, don't worry, guys. Like don't don't stop partying because of me. Like I really don't want you to stop partying, but also just like let me be miserable in the corner over here. Yeah, they just got to embrace it at that point. It's because we woke up at five a.m. for this, and on top. Of that, it's daylight savings time this weekend, which means there's an hour of sleep that is just gone. I know, kind of, but it might be our last ever having to deal with that, right? Oh uh, yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah, Florida's got some bill going around <laughs> that they may totally get rid of daylight savings time. But the thing is, I think the federal government has to approve it. But like, the, yeah. So I don't really understand it because if we just don't acknowledge it, are we just going to be like an hour different than like? Georgia? Well, and Arizona listeners, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure they don't do daylight savings time like at all in the entire state. And that confuses me, too, because it's like, well, when everybody else switches, are you just on your own Arizona time? Like, yeah, like, how does that work? Like, so if you fly in or my is my phone's going to like roll back an hour or jump forward an hour like right. they do when I go to New Orleans or, uh, you know, if you go to California, it jumps back three. Like, how does it work with that then? Like, I don't. I don't uh, know. And I'm pro getting rid of daylight savings time, but it, it feels... Uh, Are you about having the longer, like, sun? Or, like, like which one would you prefer? Like, the rolled back hour or the rolled forward hour? Probably the rolled forward hour. Gives I us mean, more sun. Yeah. Like, I mean, it it gives you at 6 o'clock. It's nice because it's still dark out. You get that, like, last little hour of sleep as you wake up. It's yeah. dark. I don't know why. I, I kind of like that. Even if it's weird, it makes you tired. But... <laughs> um, yeah, the whole, I mean, it's just like, 
I mean, down here in Florida, it's not quite as drastic, but I mean, you're talking back up north. Yeah. The whole getting dark at like 5 o'clock, 4.30 thing. It really messes with you. Yeah, it's not really that fun. No, not at all. So, But somehow we got here uh, after talking about the, the Gate River Run, which we did, and you can see the photo. We we put proof That's right. <laughs> on our social media pages because if uh, you run the Gate River Run and you don't post about it on social media, did you actually run? That's right. And you know what we've been telling everybody on the show? Get you a podcast that can do both. Deliver NBA news and run 15Ks. That's right. And welcome, <laughs> everybody, to the Driving Dish NBA podcast. My name is Kevin Rafuse. Joining me, as always, my co-host, Justin Kuzar. I'm here at the Staples Center personally recruiting LeBron James to play for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, this is cheating. This isn't even an <laughs> NBA player, but uh, no. shout out to Juju Smith-Schuster one time. He's, like, really on, like, this I gotta get LeBron James in the NFL kick oh he's hysterical he just he jumps on every trend he's good about it um he's one of those just athletes who's aware of social media and has fun with it it reminds me of Embiid when he came into the league in that regard just you know they're like super aware of the memes and and the weird puns that the internet users like tend to use yeah Twitter's a strange place man also randomly while we're talking about Twitter the new Patrick meme I guess I don't know if it's new. Where he's like point. looking down and angry. Yeah, dude, that's the that's a, already an elite level meme for me. And then the other one that's going around, which we actually used, and we'll get into a little bit today, but oh, it's the that convince me? convince me I'm wrong or whatever. What is the original context for that? I don't know what the original was. Because I've seen that a lot, yeah. too, and I have no idea what it's from. And for, for people who don't know, it's just like, not hipster looking dude, but he's kind of sitting at a table and he's drinking a coffee and it's a sign and, and people are putting like their opinion on that sign and then at the bottom it says, change my mind. Uh, and so the one we have or have been using is is a homer pick. We said, Joel Embiid is 100% the defensive player of the year. Obviously, change my mind. It's up on our <laughs> Facebook page. If you'd like to comment, uh, I have a feeling the, the comments are not going to be pretty and we're going to get absolutely roasted for our homer bias. Yeah, and spoiler alert, we're going to talk some defensive player of the year later on in the podcast. Also going to talk the Pelicans, who mm-hmm. are just continuing to defy all expectations, as well as who's balling and who's fallen and hot takes from Reddit. And of course, uh, before we get into all that, we want to talk a little bit about the awesome reviews you guys leave us because it helps other people understand what our show's about so they don't come in here just not assuming anything, uh, and it helps us uh, get new listeners and, and continues our podcast to grow. And we got a first this week. Oh. One in Ireland. It's our first oh, one in I Ireland. I really want to go to Ireland. It's a five-star review. Yeah, me too, actually. Okay. But uh, it's a five-star review. It is titled Fantastic. It's by Dan K. 511 And Dan K. says, love this podcast so much, Justin has the best laugh ever, by the way. <laughs> I always, I've literally never been told that in my entire life. Well, there you go. Dan K thinks you do. For for those wondering, and and feel free to follow me if you want. But uh, my my Xbox One account, my Microsoft account yeah. that uh, that I use, my username is Squeaky Nine Thousand because I made it when I was in like seventh grade and. Yeah. Um, I mean, my voice isn't that deep now. Uh-huh. It really wasn't deep back then. Oh, don't worry. Nicole showed me a certain <laughs> video of you that's chilling around on YouTube. I'm nope. not going to blow your no. spot up. but uh, I'd edit it out anyway. Yeah, you know, uh, that. just saying. The, the, the transition has been good to you, Justin. Puberty did me well. My grandma went there, and there's a picture. She was like probably like 85. There's a picture of her at the Guinness factory with this, like, massive Guinness beer. And it's just, like, the most epic photo ever. It's like grandma parties. Gotta love it. And now a word from our sponsors. 
The Driving Dish NBA can now be played hands-free. Just say to your Amazon Echo, play podcast, The Driving Dish NBA, and you can hear all our episodes. One of the uh, NBA teams right now is the New Orleans Pelicans, which I guess a few months ago, if you had told me that, I wouldn't believe you because of the injury to uh, Boogie. We were kind of convinced he wasn't, or that was kind of the downfall of the team. Right now they're 38-27 and 27 on a 9-1 and one, uh, record in their last 10. That one is actually their last loss um, to the Wizards, if I remember correctly. And they've kind of like exceeded all kinds of expectation in my mind. Fourth in the West, above the Thunder, above the Timberwolves, above the Spurs. But that's a whole nother cookie that we could get into another yeah, day. Yeah, the Western Conference is a bloodbath. <laughs> I mean, we're talking between four, and and that's not even counting Portland at three, because Portland's 11 yep. and a half back, but I mean, between four and going down to Utah at 10, there's a two and a half game difference for yeah. the entire thing. It's insane. So, you know, shout out to the Pelicans for doing that. Obviously, there's a few angles that we have to take with you know, the Pelicans, uh, like I said, they're in this I guess streak in their last seven games, uh, or I guess I did eight eight games. Not sure why I did that, but the last eight games, you know, they're number one in the league for points per game. They're fifth for field goal percentage, number one for defensive rebounds, number five for rebounds overall, fourth in assists, um, and then you know for the full year, with you know you have to take out the Boogie Cousins effect, I mm-hmm. guess. You know, for the full year, the Pelicans were ninth in offensive rating and seventeenth for defensive rating. So there there is a notice when Boogie comes out or, or went down because now since Boogie went down, they're eighteenth in offensive rating and eleventh in D. So like the defense got better, but the offense got worse, mm-hmm. which you kind of expect with at least on the offensive side for Boogie. So you know it it's it's a weird um situation you know did this propel anthony davis towards a mvp season like is he going to get it over like a james harden which seems to be the unanimous number one guy right now i don't think he's going to get it over harden um i've said this on the last couple i just think what harden's done all season long the way the rockets continue to push the pace for number one i just don't know how you don't give it to james harden this year yeah um anthony davis is going to make it interesting recency bias is always a thing that we talk about well, that's and why everyone's talking about dame being mvp of course right now as well so. and so with with anthony davis i mean because i've said on this podcast I, I had to have said poor pelicans after the boogie injury yeah I mean, go back and listen to that episode. We sound like doom and gloom. But, you know, what Anthony Davis is doing is historic. And we talk about that 10-game win streak that the Pelicans have been on that have kept them in this conversation. I mean, they were a lower seed, and now they're all the way up at four. Um, And the only reason they lost, which, again, we're all wiping our brow, no pun intended, pun totally intended. (laughs) But uh, Anthony Davis only with a sprained ankle, so he missed that game in the loss to the Wizards. But he looks like he's already going to play. Their next game will be done by the time this podcast drops. But at the same time, you know, he's going to be back at it. They're playing Utah, too, which is a really key matchup. So that's one that, you know, you would love to have your MVP candidate for, probably number two, like I said. So I don't want to be negative about the Pelicans. But let me just play devil's advocate for a second. You know, these last games, beating the Kings, the Clippers, the Mavs, the Spurs, the Suns, Bucks, Heat, Lakers, Pistons, and Nets, that's kind of an easier schedule if you were to roll it out, in my opinion. I mean, they beat the Thunder as well. So, like, Thunder, 
probably Spurs aren't easy, Bucks aren't easy, Clips aren't easy, but everyone else, Heat, you can throw in the not as easy pile as well. But and no, they're all games that I'd be like, yeah, they probably should win this. I mean, of course, for the most part, but at the same time, I mean, San Antonio and that Clippers game in particular, those are two major games, key wise. I mean, looking at the schedule too, though, San Antonio and the Clippers are two of the teams that you've got to beat if you're yeah. looking to maintain position. They were able to do that three and zero in overtime during that stretch, including that double overtime win back at Brooklyn. Um, taking a look at the schedule ahead, I. I wouldn't say, it, I mean, it's definitely a little tough. I mean, you've got Utah, you've got San Antonio again, you've got Houston, you've got Boston. Um, I mean, like Indiana still is like it's a playoff team to me. Anybody, I'm just chalking anybody in the yeah, playoffs yeah. in either conference. Uh, Portland, Cleveland, Oklahoma City, uh, one with Golden State, the Clippers. I mean, they have a three-game stretch at the end of the season that could be a bit. I mean, in terms of seeding and in terms of just even fighting for spots, they've got a three-game stretch at the end of the season against Golden State, the Clippers, and San Antonio. Now, maybe Golden State is potentially resting people by then. It is the third to final game of the season. Lord mm-hmm. knows Golden State won't be playing for any thing around that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but with the Clippers in San Antonio th- those are pivotal but at yeah. the same time if you're the Pelicans at four right now you do control your own destiny and I mean there's there's value in that at least you don't ha- you don't need help from anybody else and you just I mean it's good to see that Anthony Davis isn't obviously hurt the way he's been playing and I mean the way how would they have no chance if Anthony Davis goes out I don't even think you know everybody knows that yeah but I I, I I almost want to ask though you know I guess with with the way it's going, the big looming question with the Pelicans this year and, and probably going into the off season is 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 it impressive enough to bring Boogie back or convince Boogie to come back? I think so. Um, I think, think Anthony will? Davis has really, really, really pushed hard to get Boogie back. I think wearing his jersey at the All Star game. Yeah, was like a huge like, bro. We want you back. Well, and they've been talking. And the thing is, too, and that's why we were so disappointed when Boogie initially went down. Is you know there were the little bit of jitters early on as they learned to play together. And you know everybody, I think, around the NBA media landscape had the question of how can these two coexist together? It's such a weird fit. But they were working. It's mm-hmm, unconventional, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. make no bones about it, they were winning games. And again, small sample size, but the small sample size was positive, and it makes you think. I guess I just don't know where you'd spend that money elsewhere. I think there are concerns if you lock up a ton of money in Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins that, you know, maybe you don't have enough to fill the rest of the roster. Well, enough that it, injury is actually, like, going to affect him going Achilles down the road. Achilles is tough. Right. Achilles is the one injury that still kind of can ruin professional athletes' careers. I mean, you talk about Wes Matthews. Mm-hmm. You talk about switching sports. There's a number of guys, like, you know, one of my guys, Ryan Howard, in baseball. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He tore his Achilles. He was never the same again. Let me— uh. Let me just say this. So, okay, so if you look at the timeline with Boogie, he got hurt on 126, 2018, or I guess, yeah, 2018. Um, the team was 27 and 21, right? Pretty, pretty average uh, record, if you ask me. A little mm-hmm. above average, fine. Boogie was ninth in the league for scoring. They were number one in the league for defensive rebound as a team. They were third in the league for regular rebounds, uh, four games that Boogie had of 20 rebounds or more. Uh, Anthony Davis, during that time, was ninth for rebounds. Um, uh, Drew Holiday was also 20 or 34th in the league for scoring, which I know is kind of far down there, but he still makes you know that top 50 uh, and was averaging close to six assists a game. Okay, he goes down. They add uh, Nikola Mirotic, which we haven't got into. We can talk about that. Uh, 
After that, they go 11 and 5. I know it's way less games. Projection wise, it's close, I guess, a, l- a little bit better record wise than, than when with Boogie. Um, Miritich was bringing eight rebounds a game or is bringing eight rebounds a game. Drew Holiday is now 23rd in the league for points per game, up to 7.2 assists and beating all those teams that we talked about. So, like, does that show that maybe they don't need Boogie? I'm not saying that they wouldn't be better with Boogie and Miritich because I think Davis, Miritich, and Boogie down low is is an amazing thing I would love to see happen. But, mm-hmm. you know, has it shown that with... Miritich and Anthony Davis down low and Drew Holiday running point, necessarily Boogie isn't 100% like needed for the success of the team. Well, the problem the Pelicans have had in the past couple of years, and I think we've always had the argument that if you surrounded Anthony Davis with shooting, right. that the Pelicans could be really good and you could only build around Anthony Davis. They haven't really done that, though I'd argue Miritich is a step in that direction. They've done some work clearing the cap, but the reality is is the Pelicans have spent a lot of their draft stock. That's the cheapest way to reload your right. roster. And, and, not to, and not to say that Boogie isn't obviously a huge addition for the team, but if they didn't pay him, then they'd have money to then potentially get three-point shooters or, or shooters that can space the floor for... Anthony Davis down low. Yeah, I still want the Pelicans to re-sign Boogie for I the do record. Too. I don't, don't want it to make it sound like we, we don't right. want this. Um, I think because if nothing else, too, I think both of them individually have tremendous amounts of value. Mm-hmm. And you can still flip them and, and get, if you want to break off and go in that direction, if it doesn't work, I still think DeMarcus Cousins is a tremendously tradable asset, assuming that he comes back healthy. That's the biggest question off the Achilles injury. But I, I think they deserve to make it, see if they can make it work again. I think they, you know, there was enough success with that. But yeah, Drew Holiday, man, you can't really say enough about him. I mean, the, the big game was the one against the Clippers where with 19 points and 17 assists. I mean, you're talking their last couple of games during this streak. You know, I'm going to go back to Lakers, 24, 29, 36. 20, 25, 30, the game against 19 against the Clippers, but against 17 assists to go with that in that game, 23 and 8 against the Kings, and then, you know, a little not quite as effective against the Wizards, but, you know, again, without Anthony Davis, you're probably keying in it's on a, Drew Holiday. It's assumed, at that point. yeah. It, so, well, Miritich, too, probably. To do, I guess just to bring it back to the, the MVP discussion, I guess, with Anthony Davis's play, you know, we said obviously, uh, Harden's number one, but you say Anthony Davis keeps this up all season. Where does that land him? Does that make him the number two guy to the MVP award uh, or runner-up, I guess? But, like, is there, you know, is LeBron James and maybe a Kevin Durant still above Anthony Davis because of his production not having to be as high when Boogie was there? No, I don't think this season. I think if, if they finish... Three, four, five, even I mean, even at six. If they if Anthony Davis continues at the level he's playing at, because make no bones about it, he's dragging them into the playoffs. I mean, he said he had to have a Russell Westbrook mentality, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. kind of like last year. So um I, I would he's gotta be two for me. I mean, there's an argument to be made that if Dame keeps it up and they finish like a convincing three, that maybe you can move Dame ahead of him. So But the, I mean he's top three minimum. I think he's above LeBron and K D, of course. Right now or by the end of the season? I think both. So here's the power rankings according to NBA.com. I'll just read them off for you. But and and to your point, Anthony Davis is the only one of these people averaging a double double in in some form. 
Uh, James Harden, obviously number one, 30 points, 8 assists, almost 9 assists, uh, 5.2 rebounds. Number two, they have LeBron James, 27 points, 9 assists, 8.4 rebounds. Kevin Durant is number three at 25 points, almost 7 rebounds, and about 5.5 assists. Then after that, it gets real interesting. They've got DeMar DeRozan at 26.7 points per game, uh, 6.5 assists, 5.3 rebounds. Then Anthony Davis at 28 points, 11 rebounds, and 2.3 blocks. And then number six, not to be slighted, but always being slighted, Damian Lillard. Well, that list, it just seems like it emphasizes winning more than anything else, which is valid. Right. I mean, if you want to use that argument, then yeah, I would bump LeBron, DeRozan, but and KD up. But does, I just think it's more than, I mean, it's tough for me to ever pick a Warriors the MVP now that they have Kevin Durant, unless they are really having that historically great of a season. I also wonder, will it hurt or should it hurt LeBron James that the Cavs literally had to change like for the most part a lot of their team mid-season I don't think it should hurt that they had to mid change mid-team necessarily but I mean if they're finishing three or four in the Eastern Conference yeah. then yeah I mean at the beginning of the year he was on fire and I and like LeBron is still the best player in the league again I don't want to I don't want to slander the king at all but he's, he's this w- is not the MVP season that I'm arguing for LeBron to be fair with LeBron he's one assist and two rebounds away from having a triple double or averaging a triple double and there's a chance that the the way the season goes is if he tries to will them further that he could have some crazy games. I mean, you're talking about the one against Denver where he right. just iced it out four for four in the fourth quarter. Right. But I just think with Anthony, I mean, Anthony Davis's roster just to me has so much less on it. LeBron's also going to get Kevin Durant or excuse me, Kevin Love back. Mm-hmm. And so I think that'll you know loosen his load hopefully a little bit. But I'm just not ready. The, the Cavaliers haven't been consistent enough for me to give LeBron the award this year. Yeah, and I I, I agree. I think Le, the way James Harden is playing this year, it's his to lose. Yeah, Harden's gonna win. Yeah. Like, let's just again, <laughs> like let's just get that out. Harden is going to win the MVP and should win the MVP. Like it's a no brainer to me this year. It's the first year in a while that it hasn't been. If they go wire to wire, I don't know how you can't say he wasn't the best yeah. player during the regular season. I agree. It is time for Who's Ballin' and Who's Fallin' on the Drive and Dish Podcast. All right, Who's Ballin' and Who's Fallin' this week, our own mini version of the NBA stock market. We always like to start with good here on the podcast. So, Justin, who's ballin' this week? I'm going with DeMar DeRozan. The Raptors are winners of four in a row this week. Obviously, the streak is longer than that. Um, We're just going by a week-to-week basis Mm -hmm. for us. Uh, In 36 minutes per game, averaging 27 points per game, 36% from three, uh, 4.5 rebounds and five assists, a little above average from his stats, but... When you look into the week, he put up 42 against Detroit. Obviously, the Ra- the Raptors had a huge win over the Rockets. Breaking I know that, that was streak. right. I know that was very Kyle Lowry driven, but obviously Demar Derozan had contributed there as well. 19 points and eight assists against the Hornets to start this week off, and they're the number one team in the East, continuing their win streak. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and point differential. Most importantly, yeah. they are point one off the Rockets, who got the best one in the league. Um, um, they have, along with Boston as well, we'd be remiss to mention, have mm-hmm. uh, 
uh, both clinched playoff spots in the East. They were um, the first team to clinch the the Raptors. Yes, and they are two and a half up over the Celtics as of recording this podcast. So the number one seed looks to be running through Toronto. I almost picked Demar Derozan as well. I'm really glad I changed that. Like I had it typed out and everything. But... I was gonna I was gonna pick another player, but I didn't pick another player because I thought you were gonna pick him. So we'll see if if you did the uh, right thing that I thought you would do. I'm right. I got an entire like plate and feast of crow ready to go about Toronto if they if they mess around because they look like they can go to the finals this year. Yeah, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to it's playoffs. Yeah. It's the playoff the playoff juju with me. But they gotta I mean, get shout over out it. to uh shout out to Dwayne Casey too for uh actually teaching an old dog new tricks. You know, I know that <laughs> saying but I mean credit yeah. is given you know all the credit to Toronto right now, and you know because it's in Canada, they're flying under the radar, but yep. they're really good, yeah, and they, they have a real chance to go to the finals, which is something I don't think I've ever said on this podcast, so shout out to Toronto. Also winning on Drake Knight, break it in the street. So. People were talking about how Drake Knight is so real, and then he like apparently got up in front of the in the in the crowd there and was like, we broke the streak. And everyone's like, ah, oh, dude, you totally ruined it. Why do you have to bring it up? It's like, don't mention it. Yeah. Uh, Either way, though, good good times in Toronto. So I've got Kevin Durant this week. Okay. Um, stepping up a little bit in the absence of Steph Curry with the ankle. You know, they're keeping maintenance on his ankle after he had that scary fall. Um, you know, focusing really on the two games since Steph Curry went down, Kevin Durant has had. And I will say that one of this did come in a loss to Portland, but regardless, uh, the win against the Spurs, Kevin Durant had 37 and 11 rebounds, also four assists, but really big in the fourth quarter of that game, putting it away. Um, also in the loss against Portland, he had 40 points, six rebounds, six assists. So, you know, stepping up in the absence of Curry, again, Portland's on fire. I probably would have put Portland as our ball in this week if we didn't just do an entire midweek episode on them. By the way, go listen to the midweek episode with Dan Morang. It's great. It's our longest midweek episode to date. Plug, and plug, we'll give, plug. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Plug it away, baby. <laughs> I thought you were going to pick Dame. That's who I thought you were going to pick. So. No, it's just because we're cheating. Like yeah. We just had our whole Portland yeah. thing. You know, I don't want to make it seem like we're giving Portland all the love, even though they are on fire right now. They deserve now. it. And yeah, no, I get it. So, uh, yeah, go check out that Portland episode, and we will gush over Portland for a little bit. <laughs> right. Um, so my first fallen this week is Bobby Portis, which it's hard to pick like a player that's falling on a team that wants to fall, <laughs> but I had to do this because the dude in three games this week is shooting 30% field goal and 10% from three. Oof. And that's not like he's like taking one shot a game. He's taking three threes a game and making point three of them. And that's 26 minutes per game. Uh, but I said, again, luckily the team's tanking, so you can't hate on it too much. But uh, he has been grabbing seven boards a game, but I think shooting that poorly doesn't make up for the seven boards. No, shooting that poorly does not make <laughs> up for that seven boards. Ten percent. Yeah. And it's like it's like of players that averaged a certain—I I I forget how I filtered it, but it was like players that at least averaged over 28 minutes. He was pretty close to the bottom. Yeah. And I was like, all right, I got to put him there. All right, so falling for me this week, I've got the San Antonio Spurs, which is also probably the first time if we ever recorded this podcast over the last 20 years that so the Spurs would be falling. <laughs> um, they might miss the playoffs, though the, there is the news that Again, this could change very quickly. Kawhi Leonard is apparently supposed to be back on Tuesday, yeah. which would be great. I think we all just want to see him play, you know, meaningful minutes, even if it's not a lot. You know, you want one of the league's marquee players back in the lineup. But uh, the reason I picked them for falling this week, so they're fourteen and twenty-one on the road. It's the first time they're going to have a losing road record since nineteen ninety-six. The 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 Spurs in general 
are obviously known for like perfection, but it kind of seems like it's slowly starting to fade. Um, and we actually have my my hot take from Reddit is kind of centered around the Spurs in that situation. So yeah. I'll save most of my comments for then. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's 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 weird to see it not working for them. Two and eight in their last ten. Um, the role players have been down a little bit. Obviously, missing Kawhi is a big deal, and it would, I think, change a lot and st- uh, stable them out. But, I mean, we're talking they're a half game up on the Clippers uh, for eight. They are a full game up on Denver and Utah. But, th- I mean, the Spurs haven't missed the playoffs in a long, long Not since before drafting Tim Duncan. And now we're talking about they might miss it this year. And, again, it you know it hasn't been the season that they hoped for, you know, mainly because of the Leonard injury. Yeah. But at the same time, it's just weird seeing the Spurs in this position with their just decades of excellence. I almost, uh, this isn't really like a player I would have picked for uh, Ballin, but it's just a kind of funny stat that I saw. This week, uh, you know, March 4th through March 10th-ish is when I filtered it. Tyson Chandler in four games was shooting 92%, but was also a minus 14 <laughs> this is like the most, the most random of random. But uh, him I, shooting ninety two percent, I get. Yeah, well, but, he's like taking like three shots right, a game, and like, they're probably and they're not exactly like he's throwing up jumpers, <laughs> right? But just being a minus fourteen too. I mean, you know, the Suns aren't trying to win, yeah. which is which is fine. But. Yeah. Also, this is probably a bad time since I just I don't want to say bash them, but I'm going to be in San Antonio in three weeks. So, uh, Spurs fans, if you listen <laughs> to this podcast, uh, tweet me places to go. Find him. Beat. <laughs> Uh, I might be at the Spurs Portland game. That'd be fun. If oh, I'm there, that'd be a good one. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It could. It actually ended up turning into a really good matchup. So, well, um, well you, uh, you know, you brought up Kawhi Leonard, and it kind of segues us into our next topic uh, because we're going to talk a little bit about Defensive Player of the Year because of that meme we posted up and and everything else going on. Um, you know, past winners. I, I kind of like this thing. Past winners of Defensive Player of the, of the Year that are still in the league, according to NBA.com: Dwight Howard, who won it three times; Kawhi Leonard, who won it twice; Tyson Chandler, who we just mentioned; Marcus All, Joakim Noah, and then obviously Draymond Green. The thirty for thirty on Dwight Howard one day is going to be really, really interesting. It's like weird. It's just such a tremendous fall off. Mm-hmm. And I'm not even saying Dwight is. is totally useless in today's NBA. I think he's played some pretty good minutes for Charlotte this year. But, I mean, this dude was like one of the faces of the league. I know. And it it just, the league changed on everyone. It kind of flipped it on its head where you got to have these in-between guys and and you don't need the necessarily big powerhouse down low anymore. Although, there are teams that roll it out and it still works. So, you know, you take it with a grain of salt, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Obviously, Defensive Player of the Year... Uh, is not going to be Kawhi Leonard this year for sure. No. Uh, I mean, I can't imagine any scenario where he even comes back this week and plays out of his mind to the point that we'd give him the award. That's just not no, enough games. There's no possible way. Right. Right. So, you know, that kind of leaves the door open. I know Draymond Green obviously is a is a candidate. Perennial contender. Yeah. Um, I know for me. If I were to talk about three people that come to mind just off the top of my head for Defensive Player of the Year, it'd be Draymond Green, Rudy Gobert. Obviously, Rudy Gobert is always a defensive powerhouse. And I think Embiid gets thrown into the conversation this year as well. Uh, you know, if you had to give 
a few other players that you think should be on that list. Maybe we do a top five. I just gave three. Do you have two more? Um, have you mentioned Andre Drummond at all? I have not mentioned Andre Drummond. Andre so we Drummond get so... for me has got to be on the list. Okay. Um, just looking at the advanced numbers. I mean, he leads the league in defensive box plus minus, leads the league in defensive rating, leads the league in defensive win shares. Um, so he's one of those guys. I mean, just really looking at those three obviously alone, the boards too numbers, that he grabs right his on off numbers with the Pistons are really strong so I think he needs to be in the conversation as well um I I worry about or not worry about but I wonder if he won't get dinged a little bit because of how the Pistons have kind of you know fallen out of the picture even with the Blake Griffin acquisition mm-hmm. but I still think he should be up there in that conversation as well I mean mine are all big guys really it was just my, the three that I was focusing on were MB Drummond and Gobert so I guess if you had to give it to somebody, you know, right now, who would it be? I mean, so I know Gobert was hurt for a little bit at the beginning right. of the season. Does that ding him? I mean, it does, but it's t- it's one of those things where he's been so good since they've came back. Like incredibly that, good. Right. So does it matter at that point? I, you know, I don't know. It, so... Here's the thing, like I said, with the meme that we put up, I said Joel Embiid is Defensive Player of the Year, prove, or change my mind. The only person that could change my mind is if you argue, argue Rudy Gobert for me. I get it. Rudy Gobert is phenomenal. I looked up um, top two-man lineups, the top ten two-man lineups in the league that have at least played 35 games this year for defensive rating. Gobert is in three of those top 10 and Joel Embiid is in two of those top 10 that says so much to me no one else on the list that we even talked about is on that you know Roberson actually is on that list Uh, just kind of got to get my Roberson plug in there he would definitely be in that conversation because the way the Thunder's defense has just plummeted without him on the floor. Mm-hmm. Again, if he didn't get hurt, there's an argument to be made because they've been so bad since he's went down. Ranker, but also, when you miss that much amount of time, like when you miss that significant a much right. amount of time, it's not. Yeah, it's like Kawhi. You you're not going to be able to. You're not going to be able to argue it. But you know, uh, do you know what Ranker.com is? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's just like people driven. You can vote on it at any point, and and you can vote for anybody you want. Mm-hmm. Ranker. dot com right now has Paul George at number one for Defensive Player of the Year. You can argue Paul George. Paul George has been unheralded. A lot of what he does, I believe, he leads the league in deflections right now. Um, mm-hmm. Really excellent perimeter defender is kind of focused on that this year, yeah. and has said that that instead of scoring has been his go-to his identity and and thinks he wants to be more heralded on that side of the ball so I I think he's in the conversation as well it's just tough for me to keep Paul George up there because like we said when Roberson went down it plummeted I mean Mm -hmm. they're now a a mid-team in defense they were one of the better ones now they're in the middle of the pack so it's tough for me to keep arguing Paul George when Roberson seemed to be the backbone for that. Right. Like, and, and you know, that's what the beauty of having a guy like Embiid or Gobert is they allow, you know, other guys to really step up defensively. I mean, you don't think Joel Embiid is a huge in terms of making Robert Covington, for example, a better defender. Rudy Gobert makes the whole team around. Well, you look at defender. it, you know. And they just mask so much. The on and off stats. That's where, where you really see that. I mean, Rudy Gobert's on and off stats. Uh, you know, the, te- uh, the opponent's team's points per possession go down 8.6 when Rudy Gobert comes on the court. That's not necessarily his defense himself. That's the team with him. Uh, the effective field goal for the team against the Jazz when Gobert's on the court goes down by 3.6. Uh, and then the team's opponent shooting at the rim is minus 5.3% when Gobert's down there. Um, and then when he's specifically guarding the shooter at the rim, they shoot 8% worse than their average 
field goal percentage. Like, Gobert is phenomenally the defensive guy this year for me. I It's like... It's really good. I mean, obviously, they're the fourth defensive-rated team in the NBA right now. And then right behind them's fifth defensive-rated team in the NBA right now is Joel Embiid. Yeah. I mean, you know, and then you look at those same stats. Players overall shoot 7% worse when Embiid's guarding them. They shoot 10% worse at the rim. You know, from three, and this is, I guess this is where the interesting debate comes in if you're comparing Gobert and Embiid. If you look at specific the shots that they're defending against overall opponents always shoot worse for both guys Embiid is holding shooters at the three at the three-point line like a minus eight percent where Gobert doesn't step out as much and you wouldn't expect him to Embiid can switch better right. than Gobert can that's just a fact so like that's Embiid another can guard the perimeter you want Rudy in the middle right. but Rudy's you could argue is a better interior defender right so that's where the the interesting part comes in I mean Embiid is holding three-point shooters that he's guarding to an 8% worst field goal per, uh, field goal percentage or shot percentage where Gobert's only like 1.8. But at that point, we're getting real nit, like nitpicky about the stats. I think, and I know I posted the meme, but I, th- I think it's Gobert's. I really do. I really like Joel Embiid for it as well. You you could argue I thought the both. meme was Embiid. It I, is. I was ready for you to argue Embiid. I am ready to argue Embiid. I, I just... There's certain players that I've seen their name thrown out there, and I just compared to Embiid, compared to Gobert, and probably compared to Andre Drummond. I just don't see it. I, I guess it just comes down to, because for me, it's either going to be Embiid or Gobert. I think Drummond absolutely needs to be top three, though, and in that conversation. Um, it, it's really just going to come down to the voters with how much emphasis do you put on this time? Well, I guess at that point, too, you know, I mean, Embiid's not playing or wasn't playing back-to-backs for a while. You know that that takes some time out as well. Like, I mean, we've met. We've Draymond Green obviously has to be mentioned as well. You know, why are we not saying he's on the same level this time? I guess is, is my question. You know, players are still shooting four point seven percent worse when Green's guarding them. Um, opponents' points per possessions when he's on the court goes down three point four percent. But I guess if if you wanted to have a slight when he's on the court. Opponent's field goal percentage still is plus five percent. That not necessarily directed specifically on him, but it's it's a knock, I guess. It could be a knock. Yeah, the Warriors team defensive rating isn't as high as it has been in recent years, too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I again I also attribute that to a lot of them not caring because well, it's not the, the same, playoff time. Right. At the same time, when you are such a powerhouse offensively, do you have to worry about defense as much? Uh, not mean, really. I mean, that was well, the Cavs no, motto. Yeah, I mean, yes, I think you should because but, I but think you Houston, don't. when Houston is just as good offensively as you are, you're you have gonna to have play to. defense. I agree, but you know, like it's like the Cavs motto. The Cavs for the longest time were like, "Who needs defense if we can just be better offensively?" Right, but and that's cute because the Cavs <laughs> really need defense. <laughs> well, they do now, and that's why they flipped their whole team and they're working on it. And but, I understand, like flipping the switch is it's still a thing. Like yeah. I'm still terrified of LeBron James in the playoffs. I love that LeBron became the the meme the mechanics with the cigarette meme where yeah. he's just like okay if we're a three seed six seed two seed four seed you're still gonna be tough when you play me in the playoffs right it's so. not gonna be it's not gonna be easy so but uh but back to dpoy i mean it, it's tough with even with the games played though because as of recording this Embiid's played 53 and gobert's played 40 so i'm not gonna act like 13 games in an nba season is not a significant chunk of it's it a good amount but yeah. it's not like it's drastically off no 
But but at the same time, you know, you mentioned an Andre Drummond. How many games has he played? You mentioned a Draymond Green. How many games have they played? I mean, that would then also come into a factor. Oh, yeah. I'd assume it's all really close. I mean, the fact that Drummond leads all three of those major categories is really saying something. Right. I mean, because, again, these aren't the counting stats. We're looking at advanced numbers right now. So I, I don't want to downsell Andre Drummond either. Um God, I was so ready to put the the Homer pants on and pick Embiid, but I feel like it's got to be Gobert. Those numbers are off the charts since he's come back. The the only thing that Embiid, in my mind, would put him over Gobert is if you look at the actual percentage numbers of opponents shot against him. Mm -hmm. It's better than what Gobert has, but I don't think that's enough to make up for the... um, you know, rebounds and, and the the blocks that Gobert is doing. I mean, Embiid's getting them, don't get me wrong, but Embiid also has to focus on offense a little bit more. Yeah. And so I think that takes away. So, I yeah, I mean, if it's up to me, I'm giving it to Gobert. Uh, but the the three we've kind of layered it down to, I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm really curious to see how Embiid ends the season because I think, again, this is just kind of an eye test is, thing. Yeah, is seeding going to matter? seems gassed a little bit mm-hmm. but again, and he even mentioned it right because Embiid hasn't really played this many games in a long time which by the way blessings on blessings on blessings that we're talking about <laughs> Embiid being gassed instead of not playing um I'll be curious as well to see how that plays out down the stretch but especially and if the Jazz don't make the playoffs Maybe it's a little tougher for me. Can we just talk about, though, how we're talking about the Jazz potentially not making the playoffs and the Sixers are the sixth seed, and they like essentially have the same record? The Eastern Conference, we knew this. I mean, the East <laughs> has been better. I know, but but like, so but... that would be the argument is we're like, well, Gobert didn't make the playoffs. It's like, right, but they had the same record. Yeah, it's wild too. I mean, and that's very true. The the Eastern Conference is wild in the sense that the the difference between the East and the West right now is just that the East is like the East eight is pretty much settled. The Pistons are five back at this point. They're three and seven in their last ten. I mean, and even the Bucks are slumping. Like the Bucks are all the way down to eight mm-hmm. with a negative point differential, but it still looks like they're going to get in um you know so i mean where the east toronto boston cleveland indy washington philly miami and milwaukee the order is still a whole i mean between nobody three knows and eight, right. no one really knows but the at least the eight seem to be solidified where in the west like we said i mean the only teams in the west that haven't been eliminated at this point are denver and utah which are right in the mix and then the lakers the lakers are not going to make the playoffs they're way out in the mix but the fact that you've got you know one through ten only really golden state in houston and i'm shocked they haven't what they're i gotta look at their magic numbers like, i'm surprised they haven't clinched already i feel like they should have clinched like yesterday they might have. I mean, why well, haven't we? Well, I guess because no, it's a worse. No, they haven't as of today. I'm I was going to say it it's, right a worse, uh, it's a worse conference because I was going to say the Raptors only have 48 wins and they, they clinched. But, you know, it, 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 we did our best not to be homers, I'd like to think. I think we did a really good job. We both picked Gobert. <laughs> I know. I still feel like we're going to get someone being like, all oh, these Sixers homers out here fighting for Embiid. I just... I think he deserves the credit too. Man. Should, Embiid could very well win this award. That and wouldn't it's be legitimate. Yeah, like right, you right. can call us homers all you want. Like he has a legitimate argument to win Defensive Player of the Year. So mm-hmm. is Rudy Gobert. So is Andre Drummond. So would have Andre Robertson, in my opinion, if he get hurt. Yep. But alas, the injury bug is always the worst. Totally hot. It's time for hot takes from Reddit. Ah, right. <laughs> hot take number one. So this brings it back kind of to our our Spurs talk that we had when we were talking about balling and falling. 
The Post says, with their loss today to the Thunder, the Spurs have a losing record on the road for the first time in 20 years, like mm-hmm. you said. Yep. The comment back was, decline hasn't hit that hard. Nearing 50 wins without a star player is amazing. The Cavs are struggling to reach 50, even with LeBron playing every game. Imagine the Rockets without Harden. They'd be pretty close to the Spurs as well. Do you agree that without James Harden, the Rockets currently would be in the seventh seed at 37 wins instead of 51? Um, Do you think that much is attributed to him? I, I mean, I think a lot of it is. We're talking about the unanimous MVP potentially. Or not the unanimous MVP, but we're talking about the guy who's been the MVP favorite the entire season. Um, they still have Chris Paul now, so I think that that, they can still run effective lineups whenever they have Chris Paul Gordon, out there. They've, like, they've got players. Yeah, like that whole roster is deep. It's not Capella, just like James Harden is right. carrying them. Like that, P.J. Tucker, Bob Mute, like right. that roster is loaded with good NBA players. Um, do I think they would be seven? I mean, it's tough because the West is such a, you know, it's so close, like we said, between three and ten. I don't think they would be in that tier with Golden State kind of above everyone else. Uh, essentially, they're saying, yeah, essentially they're saying James Harden right now is attributing to 14 wins, if you really did the math, because they're 14, they're 14, the Spurs are 14.5 away from the from the Rockets, the number one seed. Well, so, the other assumption, too, is did, did Chris Paul miss time? Because if Chris Paul missed did. a significant time, and yeah. we factor that in, then, yeah, you probably do have them around six or seven, I think. Just because, you know, I, I don't... In a competitive conference, you're going to yeah. lose games without your two main guys. Um, but I do think Harden alone elevates them to the next level. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. But I, And I think with Chris Paul... Yeah, I mean, I probably agree. They're probably between three and eight somewhere. Like, they're definitely still a playoff team without James Harden. That's why I'd be, I'd be so mad if LeBron James went to the Rockets. It's just like... It's like Durant going to the Warriors. It literally is like the same narrative. Right. They just meet in the Western Conference Finals instead right. of the Finals. It's like, come on, man. No, LeBron to San Antonio is still... My, if a he thing. wants to be seriously competitive and win, I, I still think... Like LeBron, because LeBron is San Antonio, but why not make the Rockets? Overpowering everybody. I mean, the Rockets would fit too, but the right. Rockets you have to totally you maybe sacrifice all that depth. Yeah, which is one. But again, it's the best player. It's LeBron, so I don't want to say that it's not worth it. And you could probably bring some vets in. Well, once so LeBron, you once you have a team of Chris Paul, James Harden, and LeBron James, I'm sure some vets are going to want to come and oh, be yeah, off the bench get, players. Yeah, you always get those minimum contract guys, the Shane right. Battiers, the right. you know, with Golden State, the David Wests, the all those type of guys. God, if they like somehow brought over Nick Batum, that'd be interesting. I don't think the money would work, but that would get interesting real fast. You know, Nick Batum almost weirdly like he was he had two really great games this week and I didn't want to put him on who's balling <laughs> who's balling but it, it like I had a second where I did the double take since All-Star like, oh. he was doing like he's doing like crazy numbers and at least assists. I haven't checked since last episode but yeah, he was he was up there. Hot take number 2. All right, so my hot take this week is from Snacktastic 2. And he says, I'm sorry, but D-Rose is done being a good player that actually helps the team. Oh. And this is obviously after Derrick Rose signed with Minnesota. Tom Thibodeau says Derrick Rose is going to have a role. Um, you know, this season, um, averaging 9.8 points, 1.8 rebounds, 1.6 assists. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Like... I guess it. How, how much do you value giving the player that he's coming in for some rest? You know, um, for Cleveland, he was playing 19 minutes. So even if that was to let whatever was going on go on, 
he didn't really have somebody to give rest to. I think that's the other thing, is we didn't really get to see... Like, his whole thing was he was supposed to be there, the backup for Isaiah Thomas. Yeah. And that didn't really work. So Derrick Rose can't defend anyone. He can't shoot the three. His athleticism is gone, again, unfortunately, because of the injuries. He's been kind of wild off the court. Yeah. He, like, got married and, like, just, like, took a ton of time off. It was weird. Like, Derek, Tibbs just needs to let this go, man. (laughs) At what point are Wolves fans going to start being concerned a little bit about Tibbs? Because Derek Rose is not better than Tyus Jones at this point, and if he's taking minutes away, that's an active problem, in my opinion. Um... I saw someone post that Patrick meme that we were talking about beforehand, saying like Tibbs sees an old injured Bulls player in the free agency. <laughs> Where's Joakim like, Noah at? He, he right? might as well just bring him in at this well, point. Well, he's still at the he's still at, he's still on the Knicks. Well, yeah, I mean he's not really there, but I guess he's <laughs> but still he's there, he's yeah. on the Knicks. I'm I'm trying to see I'm trying to pull up uh, Tyus Jones information to to compare the players this year. In the meantime, I almost um, there is it's not really from Reddit, but I saw a headline on ESPN. The name of the article was the Memphis Grizzlies are the true lords of the tank, and I debated putting them in who's ball and who's fallen because as of recording this, the Grizzlies have lost 17 in a row. Wow, but I is mean, that wait? Would that be good for the balling aspect? Right. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's kind of like they are fo- like losing 17 in a row is it's good. Woof. Like that is that is as bad as you can get. But also, I mean, yeah, they they've created. Uh, looking at the tank race, they they're still create. They haven't created that much separation, which is wild. But only Phoenix is a game back now. They've got two on Orlando and Atlanta. So so bringing it back to. Tyus Jones and Derrick Rose, if you were to compare them, both playing about the same amount of minutes per game. Uh, Derrick Rose has played 16 games this year. Tyus Jones has played 67. Uh, (laughs) Derrick Rose has an offensive rating of 107.7 and a defensive rating of 113. Tyus Jones has an offensive rating of 111, obviously better, Mm -hmm. and a defensive rating of 104. So, yeah, you're right. He's got a net rating at 6.8. That's Tyus Jones. Derrick Rose has a minus 5.3. So, yeah, you're right. Just I I just don't get it, and I and I do and I get it because Derrick Rose used to be the MVP and looked like he was going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, and the injuries and you know Derrick Rose is an NBA tragedy. He is one of the better what ifs that ever has happened in this league, and maybe even after the Knicks season, I'd say okay, it's worth a flyer. But I mean, you know, when he was getting benched on Cleveland for Jose Calderon, mm-hmm. who's basically been out of the league these last couple of seasons, mm-hmm. I I don't know. If you if you look at their per thirty six numbers, uh, Derrick Rose is averaging eighteen points, and Tyus Jones is only averaging nine. Again, Derrick Rose this season has three hundred and eight minutes under his belt, where Tyus Jones has one thousand two hundred and three. Right. Like, so. Derrick Rose also was starting at one point. Tyus Jones has been off the bench the whole season. Yeah. Per 36 numbers have Tyus Jones uh, averaging almost six assists, so it is what it is. I think we've done enough dancing for today, so why don't we dance Wednesday? See you, star side. Okay, well, I'm out of here. Get home. Hey! Hey! Let's go while we're young. All right, all right. I think they get the point. <laughs> Oh, 
Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.